in Chicago, two comedian skeptics named Andy and Art were mysteriously abducted by the illusionary mastermind and conspiracy theorist known only as Mr. Mr. Bunker. Bunker. The following serves as a record of Bunker's attempt to convince non-believers of the truth about conspiracies and paranormal activity. Andy and Art give an uninterrupted presentation and verdict on the plausibility of these offbeat topics, delivering what they call the, the whole enchilada. Will Mr. Bunker convince these two skeptics any of this is real? Will it convince you? Welcome to Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time Podcast. As always, I'm your co-host, Art Stone, and with me, as always, is your co-host, Andy Hart. Hello, listeners. Let's get ready to listen. <laughs> let's get ready to let's get ready to listen. <laughs> yeah. Let's get ready to open up your hearts and ears and minds to the word <laughs> of Andy and Art. <laughs> um, We're born hey, Andy, on good a cult to religion you. at this point. Yeah. Yes. Yes, mm-hmm. that's right. A religion. Hmm? Oh, boy. Listeners, we're coming at you live from quarantine. Here we are, stuck indoors. Stuck indoors again. And... um. Well, Andy, you know who isn't stuck indoors because they found his body out on the beach? <laughs> yeah, I do know. Uh, well, no, actually, I don't know. Um, you don't? Oh, that's I right, don't. You don't. Nobody does. I mean, to be nobody honest. Nobody does. As far yeah. as we know. As far as we know, nobody knows. A um, couple people are close. Are, yeah. Some people are, they, they, they think they know. <laughs> Maybe kind a little of, too close. In a way. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they got too close for our comfort. <laughs> um, that's right. Today's topic is uh, is the the Taman Shud or the Summerton Man case. Um, this is a awesome unsolved, like unsolved mystery, missing identity kind of uh, spy thriller. Tons of stuff in this one, Andy. Oh yeah, yeah, without a doubt, and. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, Art, this is a, a listener submitted topic. Is that right? That's right. This comes to us all the way from down under that our friend, uh, and listener Shane, who sent in this, uh, awesome case. Thank you so much. Uh, uh, Shane, uh, um, thank you, Shane. It was, uh, we really appreciate the email on this, even oh, yeah. though it was hard to read because it was all <laughs> upside down because it came from Australia. Shane writes, uh, Anyways, I absolutely love your show. Keep up the grouse work. I've never heard that one before, and I'm an expert on Australian slang, as we know. <laughs> yeah, look, look forward to a lot of uh, uh, trips to Art Australia today. Uh, I don't know, bung funkers. I don't want to embarrass Shane or the entire, uh, you know, country of, of Australia. So uh, any more than you already have. That's true. 
And uh, but but thank you so much, Shane. We do really appreciate this. Yes, was thank a great you. suggestion. Honestly, super um, topic. And it's super interesting. And uh, if you want to send in a topic yourself, um, you can email us, MrBunkerPod at gmail.com or tweet at us at MrBunkerPod on Twitter. Um, we love the listener suggestions and we have gotten some real good topics from listeners. So keep oh, them yeah. coming. And yeah, there's there's a lot. Yeah. There's uh there's even more to come. So um yeah. anyway, if you want to uh if you want to skip right ahead to when that uh that story and that research starts, you can look in the show notes and there will be a timestamp of when you can go scrub ahead to when the story starts. Okay. Well said. Well, well said. said. Um because first well, you know what, Andy and I, we got to check in with each other because it's been another damn week of not seeing each other on quarantine. Yeah, this is uh, it's like a month. It's been, it's been one, one week, week uh, since you looked at me. <laughs> truly, I mean, truly. Um, yeah. yeah, Andy, it's, you know, to to refresh the listeners, we are not in the bunker. We are coming at you live from our own homes. Mr. Bunker is out on a worldwide escapade. He is mm-hmm, uh, traveling mm-hmm. the world. Um, Received a weird postcard from him. Yeah. This one, you know what? We received one from Wuhan. We received one from Italy. We received one from where was Orlando. it? Orlando, Florida? Yeah. Orlando. Uh, this one, Andy, uh, came from, well, it, I'm probably on some kind of list now. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, yeah. You definitely are, without a doubt. <laughs> this was a uh, this was an ISIS postcard. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. But Bunker had scratched out the extra I. So it's actually the ISS, the International Space Station. Bunker mm-hmm. is on the International Space Station. Incredible. This is beyond Turns a worldwide he, tour at this point. Yeah, I mean, it's he's really uh he's really expanding his reach. It's a universal tour now. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Universal Studios. And right. um <laughs> Yeah, we know for, for for a fact he's on that tour right now. So Bunker somehow got himself up to the International Space Station. The one place where you could be 100% sure you are safe from coronavirus. And he went up there. <laughs> yeah. And then somehow, not, he not didn't have any himself. other postcards, so he just decided to send me an ISIS postcard, which, don't even ask me how he got his hands on an ISIS postcard. Or why he travels with them. <laughs> why? That's the, you're asking the real questions. He, you know, he brought... He makes it seem like, oh, there were no postcards up here, so I just had to use one that I brought with me. Well, if you weren't planning to use it, you just carry that with you when you travel. (laughs) Is this some kind of like novelty gag postcard from like Spencer's? Because if so, in poor taste, Spencer's. In poor taste. Yeah, Spencer's. You just lost a customer. I won't be buying dildos anymore from your stores. (laughs) Um. But anyway, that's our bunker sighting and our bunker postcard this week. If you out there have seen Mr. Bunker around or possibly even know of his whereabouts, let us know. Tweet at us. If you're in ISIS, let us know. Let us know that, too, so we can uh, (laughs) definitely not report you. Uh, 
Um, and, uh, yeah. And email us, mrbunkerpod at gmail.com. Let us know. Um, other than that, Andy, the people want to know how was your week in quarantine? Wow. Um, I had another terrific week. Um, oh yeah. Uh, I've actually been outside a lot the last two days. Wow. Uh, don't tell the authorities, but, uh, some walks couple of long walks and uh boy i my feet forgot how to walk i gotta be honest with you really they are my dogs are barking woof woof Ooh. it's true uh andy and i regular commuters every single day gotta walk so um although yeah, i don't know what's gonna happen i do have to say before before the the shelter in place the stay at home the whatever you want to call it uh, I did buy a new pair of shoes, uh, not related to anything going on. It's just that I needed a new pair of shoes, and I don't ever really feel like I got an honest chance to break them in uh, very thoroughly. So yeah. I think that's that's some of the impact as well, is that I'm still technically breaking in these shoes. That's true. Um, hopefully this time you won't fill them with SpaghettiOs like you did your old shoes, but... Um... <laughs> Uh, okay. SpaghettiOs is basically the same <laughs> recipe as Dr. Scholl's and so much cheaper. Andy I can, thinks he's on I can spend 89 cents for a can of SpaghettiOs, fill up both shoes, and walk in on clouds. I'm not going to spend $10 on Dr. <laughs> Scholl's. Give me a break. Insoles, get out of here. Andy, you're always about a deal. I'll tell you what. Uh, I can't yeah. wait to see you on Shark Tank. Yeah, me either. I'm going to eat up some entrepreneurs. (laughs) I'm one of the sharks, right? You've you've really modeled your life after a bucket of chum, haven't you? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I have. You you frequently get mistaken for a bucket of chum. People are often, if I'm on the train. Throw you into the ocean to attract sharks. In in the before time when I rode the train, (laughs) uh, I remember people saying, oh, can someone move that bucket of chum so that I can sit down? <laughs> and I would say, I'm not a bucket of chum. I'm a man. And they went, oh, my God, that bucket of chum is sentient. What crime has science its own wrought against humanity? <laughs> and then there would be much wailing and gnashing of teeth on the train. Oh, goodness. Well, that was the before times. That's true. <laughs> yeah. maybe and things those were the, a- the times of the ancients. Uh, yeah. it's, it's no more. <laughs> only a memory now to those who can recall well you know andy speaking of only a memory um the somerton man really is only a memory to some that's yeah but it is a actively studied and um you know dug into case for a lot of people of south australia and possibly all of australia i don't want to speak for all of australia But, you know, this is a South Australian case that takes place near Adelaide. Um, So, again, I don't want to speak for all of Australia. No, that wouldn't be a that wouldn't be a grouse thing for me to do. I do think that it's probably fair to say that this is one of Australia's more popular unsolved crimes. And by popular, I I mean, you know, where there's still a good amount of interest 
people have yeah. heard about it. And it's, yeah, yeah. You know, this is 70 years after the fact, too, so it's got it's some true. staying power. Um, some, some somewhat recent leads that we'll talk about with, uh, in respects to, um, discovering the identity of the missing person in this case, mm-hmm. a, a unidentified dead body is found on the beach in a peculiar fashion and it gets weirder. There's turns, there's spy thriller. It's a, there's a spy theory. There's a ancient tome of poetry. There are mysterious poisons there are love triangles i mean strikingly muscular calves this story has it all bunk funkers literally everything you could want (laughs) so you know what andy let's not delay any further we got to catch we gotta we gotta go before the dingo eats our summerton yeah you know what australia i hate myself okay so i know you are out there groaning at that, but I hate myself. Okay, trust trust us, Australia. I hate myself for saying it much more than all of you do right now, which yeah. is a lot. We admit we got to go catch a kangaroo to take us to South Australia so that we can give you the whole enchilada on the Summerton Man here on Mister Bunker's Conspiracy Time Podcast. Got I. Andy, you love a good spy story, don't you? You just can't get enough of James Bond. I'll take my James Bond shaken, not stirred, and hook it straight to my veins. Because if I'm not watching a Bond flick, I'm not living, baby. (laughs) Well, you really are a bondage freak, aren't you? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Well, Andy... You're in luck because today's case has it all. Mysterious dead body left on the beach. An unidentified man. An unsolved mystery. 70 years in the making. Secret codes. Ancient tomes. Strikingly muscular calves. This topic has it all. Mm. Art, uh... None of those things are really... Spy-like. Well, except maybe the muscular calves... I mean, I've only seen a few pics of George Lazenby's calves from my own personal <laughs> research, but I mean, strikingly, they're all right. Just bulbous. you wait, Andy boy. Just you wait. Stop talking about George Lazenby's calves. Anyway, fitting because he's he's Australian. Bunk Funkers, this story has some great twists and turns. So let's get into it. It's December first, nineteen forty-eight. The waves are gently crashing against Somerton Beach near Glenelg, about a little southwest of uh, Adelaide, South Australia. Back near the seawall lies a man. He's dead. His head is propped up against the wall. His legs are crossed at the ankles as if he was just relaxing on the beach, having a snooze. He was discovered at 6.30 a.m. on December 1st. Sources differ on who exactly found him, but... The one I like the most is that two horse jockeys discovered the body while out early in the morning taking their horses for a ride. They report it to the police, who take the body in and, well, they figure it's some poor soul or drunk who committed suicide. 
They figure they'll get a missing person report soon, and this will be a closed and shut case. But no report ever came. Various witnesses came forth and said they saw the man in that same spot the night before. Some said they saw him adjust slightly in his body position. Others say he didn't move at all, which was odd given the mosquitoes nipping all around. One even said they saw someone carrying a man who looked like this victim on their back. But here's what the police found when they autopsied the body. The man is in excellent physical condition, described as athletic with muscular calves. Around 45 years old, he was well-groomed and well-dressed. He was dressed in a white shirt, a red, white, and blue tie, very American, USA, all the way, brown trousers, socks and shoes, a brown knitted pullover, and fashionable gray and brown double-breasted jacket of reportedly, quote, American tailoring. Found on his person was some juicy fruit chewing gum, good choice, a couple of combs, a box of army club cigarettes with more expensive Kensitas cigarettes inside, a used bus ticket to Glen Elg, and an unused train ticket to nearby Henley Beach. What was even more peculiar was that no wallet, no passport, no identification at all was found. His dental records did not match any known persons. And all the labels on his clothing had been deliberately removed, as if to make finding this man, who they had named the Summerton Man, identity very hard to figure out. Now, the autopsy shows his stomach, kidneys, brain, and liver were congested with blood. His spleen was, quote, strikingly large. Pathologists believed he died from hemorrhaging due to poison, but it was really the only viable explanation for his death because no traces of poison were found in the man's body and there were no signs of convulsing or vomiting at the scene. Now, police initially ruled it a suicide. However, there is some belief that the body was put into position after the alleged poison took effect. Again, no signs of vomiting or convulsions were found, which, you know, are common the mo- they're, they're the most common side effects of ingesting a deadly poison, aside from death. Also, the man's shoes were neatly polished. Now, not too crazy, but not really something you'd expect from a man, you know, walking around Glen Elg all day, again, giving claim to the idea that the body was placed there by someone else. Later inquest into the death of the Somerton man concluded that he likely died from a group of two poisons that were extremely toxic in a relatively small oral dose that would be extremely difficult, if not impossible, to identify. And while many sources claim these poisons must have been, quote, high-level, hard-to-find stuff, the pathologist actually hid the names of the drug on the official record, well, until they were released in the 1980s, because the drugs were, quote, quite easily procurable by the ordinary individual from a chemist without the need to give a reason for the purchase. But we'll tell you, <laughs> they were later revealed to be Digitalis and um, Oyuabane. But the lack of vomit and convulsions still perplexed the pathologists. They couldn't come to a conclusion. Even the poison theory is just a theory. Even the pathologists, even then, the pathologists couldn't make a ruling on whether this man had administered it himself or it was administered via someone else. There just wasn't enough evidence. Lack of evidence there was. Just days after Somerton Man's discovery, the case was as cold as the body on the slab. No name, no clues, a dead end. Dead. Like the Somerton Man. 
the case was dead. And so was he. Art, do you get the cool film noir metaphor I'm making here? On December 10th, yeah. 1948. Okay, good. On December 10th, 1948, <laughs> the body was embalmed. The first time anyone could remember this happening to an unidentified person. But not before they had a death mask, a.k.a. a plaster mold, taken of the man's bust. Not like his bosom, his boobies, but like his head and upper shoulders. You know, like a bust. But like I said, dead. Until on January 14th, 1949, a breakthrough. When staff at Adelaide train station finally made a connection between media reports of the mystery man found at Somerton and an unclaimed suitcase that had been resting in their cloakroom since December. Inside the suitcase, police found clothes similar to those Somerton man had been wearing. The dates checked out, too, as it had been deposited at the train station the day before the man's body had been found. A distinctive yarn of orange barber waxed thread inside the suitcase clinched it. More on that yarn later. It was mostly stuff you'd expect in a suitcase, okay? A dressing gown, a pair of trousers, a pair of slippers, underpants and pajamas, shaving equipment, pencils, envelopes and stamps. There was a knife and scissors, a square of zinc and a stenciling brush of the kind used by seamen to mark cargo on merchant ships. A little more interesting. But was this a breakthrough or just another dead end? Dead like the Somerton man. All oh, right, all right. That? That's enough out of you, Andy. A wash bag and a tie found inside the suitcase bore a label with the name T. Keen on it, and Keen was also found on a singlet. Regardless, a search for T. Keen and Keen in missing persons records in the whole English-speaking world returned to nothing. In fact, the only thing of interest gained from this suitcase was that the stitching on his coat was likely from the U.S. The coat had not been imported, which meant he either got it in the States or got it from someone who had. And once again, this case was dead. Dead. Like the sum... God damn it, now you got me doing it, Andy! <laughs> uh, dead, that is, until the next big breakthrough. The one that gave this missing person's case its name. The Tamam Shud. Remember that inquest we mentioned earlier about the drugs and stuff? Well, turns out the coroner missed a uh, detail, a secret detail, inside the Somerton man's trousers. Oh, come on, Andy. Art! No, I swear! I'm not talking about his hog. Seriously. For real this time. Look, I know I brought up the Somerton man's hog at least two dozen times while we were doing the research. I know I've talked about it almost incessantly. But this time, it's not about his hog. Okay. All right. Let's see where he goes with this one, Bunkfunkers. I don't trust him. All right. It's not about his hog. Coroners found a small scrap of paper tightly rolled and hidden inside a secret pocket sewn into the Somerton man's trousers. Sewn with that very same thread found in the suitcase. Told you it would come back. It read the words, Tamam Shud printed on a piece of paper that appeared to have been torn out of a book, meaning it wasn't handwritten. Now, when police addressed the media about what the heck Tomum should meant, some friggin' egghead deciphered that this was a line from an ancient book of poetry called the Rubaiyat of Omar Khayyam. The book concerns itself with themes of seizing the day and leaving behind no regrets, 
Tamam Shud itself translated in Persian to it is ended or finished. You probably all thought we were joking up top when we said this case had ancient tomes and sexy muscular calves, didn't you? Didn't you? I bet you feel foolish now, huh? We're huge pieces of shit, bunk funkers, but we ain't liars. <laughs> this case just got a new lead, and damn if it ain't a juicy one. Oh, oh, oh. Police asked the public for any information pertaining to this book where the Taman Shud paper had come from. They were soon contacted by a man who wished to remain anonymous, who had found a rare 1859 Edward Fitzgerald translation of the Rubaiyat in the back seat of his unlocked car, which had been parked in Glenelg around the time the body was found. Torn scrap did indeed match. But what the heck was this rare book doing in this guy's car? Why was this phrase torn on and soon into a dead guy's pants? I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm sewing notes in my pants all the time, Art. It's how I remember stuff. For example, just the other day, I found a note sewn in my pants telling me, Cool Ranch Doritos. It's because I always need Cool Ranch Doritos. I mean, those are words you can live by. Way That's better always words on my shopping Tom list. Yeah, yeah, Tom Mom should, Tom Mom sh- should go to the store and get some Cool Ranch Doritos. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> the discovery of the book only served to deepen the mystery of the Somerton man. Aside from the torn out scrap, the forensic experts also found very faint letters written in pencil on the book's inside cover. It looked like some kind of code or cipher. Here's what it read. The first line, all in capitals, W-R-G-O-A-B-A-B-D. The second line, again, all in capitals, M-L-I-A-O-I. Now, this one was actually striked striked out. It had a line through it. The third line, W-T-B-I-M-P-A-N-E-T-P. Fourth line. M-L-I-A-B-O-A-I-A-Q-C. And finally, I-T-T-M-T-S-A-M-S-T-G-A-B. And now we know our ABCs. (laughs) Next time, won't you cipher with me? Beautiful. Well, that's good because most of our uh, listeners are kindergartners. <laughs> yeah, top demographic for us. <laughs> um, also in the book was an unlisted telephone number that belonged to a local nurse named Jessica Thompson. Thompson uh, lived less than a mile from where Somerton Man's body was found. So the police tracked down Thompson and interviewed her about her relation to the book and the Somerton Man. Now... Thompson requested and was granted anonymity by the police and was referred to for many years only by the name Justin. But seeing as Thompson is now deceased, uh, we now know her true identity. The detectives who interviewed her noted her, quote, evasive manner. She seemed reluctant to offer up any information about what she knew. When they took her to look at the plaster bust of the Somerton man, the detectives stated that she could not identify the man, but... She was described by detectives and by the plaster cast keeper as, quote, completely taken aback to the point of giving the appearance that she was about to faint, end quote. But still, despite this big reaction to seeing his death mask, Jessica Thompson claimed not to recognize 
the Somerton man, but did tell police that she too had once owned a copy of the Rubaiyat of Omar Khayyam. Thompson had worked as a nurse in Sydney during World War II and recalled giving her copy of the book to an army lieutenant she had met there called Alf Boxall. She should have given him a cat to eat. Alf loves cats and fun jokes. Man, I knew Alf was involved in this case. I knew it. Uh, no, Andy, it's it's <laughs> not beloved puppet sitcom star Alf the alien. It's uh, it's Alf Boxall, a human. <sighs> I knew it was too good to be true. Fuck. One day it'll be Alf. <laughs> anyway. The police track down this imposter, Alf, Alf Boxall. Turns out he's alive, so Somerton Man ain't him. In fact, Boxall still had his copy of the Rubaiyat, complete with the intact page bearing the phrase Tomum Should, and signed with Justin, Thompson's pseudonymous name. Boxall claimed no knowledge of the dead man and said he had not had any contact with Thompson after 1945. And that's where our story ends. But that's not where the hunt for the true identity of Somerton Man ends. This story is arguably one of the most well-known unknown persons cases in all of Australia. And there's plenty of theories about who the Somerton Man is. Let's get into those, huh, Andy? Yeah. One of the uh, sexier theories is that the Somerton Man was a KGB spy, and so was Jessica Thompson. This theory is connected to another which says that the Somerton Man actually fathered one of Jessica's children. Now, Robin Thompson, son, was the son of Jessica Thompson and an unnamed father. Robin and the Somerton man share some interesting similarities. They had similar dental profiles. Both are missing their upper lateral incisors. And they also both had earlobes attached to their face instead of hanging down, which is a somewhat rare trait. And, you know, honestly, if you kind of line up both of their photos, they do kind of look similar in a way. Then there's Jessica's daughter, the one she had with her later husband, Kate. She gave some testimony when when interviewed about her mother's possible connection to the Somerton man. Kate mentioned that her mother had, quote, a dark side and was, quote, adept at evading questioning. She also revealed that Jessica spoke fluent Russian, not splote. I don't know what splote means. She spoke it. Uh, Kate, quote, says... She she said to me, she she knew who he was, but she wasn't going to let that out of the bag, so to speak. There's always that fear that I've thought that maybe she was responsible for his death, end quote. All of this, on top of Jessica's biz- bizarre reaction to the Somerton Man's death mask, were Jessica Thompson and the Somerton Man KGB spies and lovers... Well, Art, Australia did see some hot Cold War action. Shortly after the war, the joint U.S.-U.K. counterintelligence program, Venona, discovered a leak operating out of Canberra, which was passing sensitive government secrets back to the Soviets. Because of this and other incidents, a dedicated Australian intelligence organization was formed, the Australian Security Intelligence Organization, cleverly named, or ASIO, closely modeled on the FBI and Britain's MI5. The MI5 was especially influential, providing much of the initial personnel and expertise on ASIO's formation. 
and at least two sites relatively close to Adelaide were of interest to spies. The Radium Hill Uranium Mine and the Woomera Test Range, an Anglo-Australian military research facility. The Summerton man's death coincided with the founding of the ASIO. This would be followed by a crackdown on Soviet espionage in Australia, which was uh, revealed by intercepts of Soviet communications under the Venona Project. So there was a connection. So was there a connection between the Summerton man and Soviet spying? There was for Alf, the man in this story, not the lovable sitcom alien whose memorabilia I collect religiously. Alf Boxall has stated in later years that he was working in an intelligence unit during the war. Another connection for Jessica Thompson as well. Now, while the spy theory is interesting and, yes, we'll say it, it's sexy. Oh, God damn, it's a hot theory. Spies are fucking hot. Spies are hot. Oh, they're so hot. Mm. Mm. <laughs> they're hot. Fucking spies. <laughs> damn. So hot. Ugh, gross. Ugh, yeah. They're so hot, it's fucking gross. Ugh. <laughs> Disgusting how hot spies are. Is there any credibility at all with what we know in hindsight about the KGB? So let's assume that the Summerton man was a spy. At first glance, the removal of the clothing labels would make sense, right? To remain anonymous and sneaky like a spy. But really, if he was a spy, would he be trying to play into a secret identity rather than remain some anonymous person? I don't know. On the other hand, being a discovered double agent could have disastrous consequences for any world power. This could provide a reasonable explanation for why the Somerton man was killed and stripped of ID. But what about how he died? The poisons. During the Cold War, both the Soviets and Western countries had departments attempting to concoct a poisonous compound that could kill silently and mimic natural causes. And what about that weird jumble of letters found in the Rubaiyat? Spies love codes and ciphers, right? A book cipher has been a common spy technique as long as books have, is, have existed. Essentially, the, what, what they do is that the key to the code in question is a section of text in a book or other commonly available published material. If a book is used, it is usually required that both sides of the communication use the same edition. But... The additions in the Somerton Man case are far from ordinary. The 1859 translation by Edward Fitzgerald found in the man's car was so rare that even an exhaustive global search for other copies turned up blank. Regardless, the five-line, 50-character message has prompted endless debate over the years, with many amateur codebreakers and even the Department of Defense cryptologists attempting to discern its meaning. So far, all have failed, and its true purpose and intent remain unknown to this day. Possibly related or unrelated to the spy theory is the theory that the Summerton Man was a ballet dancer. Personally, a spy thriller mixed with classic ballet is a big fantasy of mine, and the subject of my next movie script, The Man with the Golden Pirouette. Check it out on my website, I've got the script up there. Robin Thompson, the alleged son of the Somerton Man and Jessica Thompson, was a professional ballet dancer. The Somerton Man allegedly had very nice, strong, sexy calves. 
like that of a dancer. Could the two be related? We've already mentioned how the two had similar body characteristics. Perhaps the most obvious explanation is that the Summerton man was just some old flame of Jessica Thompson and who, after trying to reconnect with her, unfortunately met his end. Jessica Thompson was married to a man named George Marshall when the Summerton man uh, came by. Perhaps she didn't want her old flame coming into her life when she had a new husband. A comment on a YouTube video about the Summerton man. And look, bunkfunkers, I know. I know how that sounds, but hear us out here. This is, this is a quote, a quote from a comment on a YouTube video. <laughs> it's, we're quoting a comment in a YouTube video. Quote. It's a very reliable source. It's, okay? it's verified comment. Uh, quote. She looks like him. Her son looks like him. Therefore, he was her father. Summerton man looks Hungarian. Egan looks Hungarian. Egan is a reference to Rachel Egan. We'll, we'll talk about her in a second. Uh, after World War II, refugees in countries like Hungary were given clothes from charities, often with the labels removed. English was not his first language. The letters, the code is simply the first letter of each word of a speech he made to someone so he could remember what he was to say in English, end quote. Perhaps the answer is as simple as that? That the Somerton man was simply an immigrant trying to get by and dance his way across Australia to reconnect with an old lover and his child? A tale as old as time. But will we ever know? What efforts are being made to uncover the mystery of the Somerton Man? Well, as we mentioned, the Somerton Man mystery is one of the most popular cases in all of Australia. Leading the current investigation is Professor Abbott of Adelaide University. He has become one of the foremost researchers on the Somerton Man. In fact, it's how he met his wife, alleged granddaughter of the Summerton Man and confirmed daughter of Robin Thompson, Rachel Egan. Yes, uh, that's right. This dude is shacked up and with, with the alleged granddaughter of the Summerton Man. You could say he's real deep in this case, <laughs> if you know what I mean. They have three kids, so. They have three kids, so. He's deep. <laughs> they were getting into it. We know how kids are made. Yeah. You can get in there deep. The stork. Yeah. Anywho. Well, I guess in Australia, maybe a kangaroo brings it or something. (laughs) But anyway. Yeah. Check out the Australia story piece in our research in the show notes for how they met. Uh, The the documentary, like it's a 30 minute video and they actually take like a good like five to 10 minute portion to talk about their relationship. It's it's interesting. Essentially. Robin it's, Thompson, it's worth it's worth the, the watch just for the shots of them having intercourse, which are definitely in there. God damn it. We love Australia 60 minutes. And I got to tell you, Australia's story is really is they're they're bringing something to the table. Yeah. Yeah. This uh, this was Australia 69 minutes. <laughs> OK, so essentially Robin Thompson the out-of-wedlock son of Jessica Thompson and allegedly the Summerton man, and Roma Egan had a child while touring together in the Australian ballet. They didn't have the means to take care of her, so they put her up for adoption, and then Rachel Egan discovers this years after Robin's passing. Then meets Professor Abbott. Now, Professor Abbott has been striving to get proper DNA analysis of the Summerton man to attempt to deduce his identity. He was able to retrieve some hairs that were found in the death mask of the Summerton man, 
but analysis of the hairs only gave him about 2% of the DNA he needed to get an accurate result. So he could retrieve better samples uh, from things like teeth or other bone fragments from the buried corpse of the Somerton man. And previously, the South Australian Attorney General has been very reluctant to allow anyone to exhume the corpse. But in 2018, a new Attorney General was elected who said they are happy to exhume the body for research purposes. Given that the requesting party fork over what they say it'll cost to exhume the body, which they said is in the tens of thousands of dollars. (laughs) Tens of thousands of dollars? Are you fucking kidding me? Shit, give me a fucking shovel and a pot to shit in and I'll do it for free. I love digging up dead bodies. Wow, what a confession from Andy. It's fun, it's good exercise, and you get to see some corpses. Another fork in the road is that Robin Thompson was cremated when he died. Sorry, Andy. Ugh. Thus, one less body to dig up. <laughs> thus, if... If the Somerton man's DNA matches Rachel Egan's, we know conclusively that she was his granddaughter. And thus, he did indeed have passionate sex with Jessica Thompson, resulting in a pregnancy. We know it would have been passionate. The book of poetry spells it all out. (laughs) It's got those muscular calves. Ah, art, the miracle of life. And so the story of the Somerton man is laid to rest, much like his corpse. Will we ever know his true identity? Was he a KGB spy? Were his muscular calves from dancing or another recreational activity? He lies in his grave yearning for an answer, to be known. One thing is never left unknown here in the bunker. You always know we'll give you the whole enchilada. Hey, welcome back, Bunk Funkers. That was our uh, research of the Somerton Man, the Tamanshud case. Tamanshud. Hey, Andy, you Tamanshud, watch where you're going. (laughs) Yeah, you don't want to walk off the side of a retaining wall. Oh, those retaining walls always retaining. Fall. To your death. Um. All right, Andy. Where do we start with this case? I mean, there's so much stuff. Wow, this is uh, this is a big old spool of uh, barber thread uh, that we've got to unravel here. Um, do we want to start with Professor Abbott? <laughs> you know, I think we both had strong feelings about Professor Abbott and Rachel Egan, so let's start <laughs> there. Um, <laughs> bunk funkers. If you're, we mentioned the what is it? Australia Live, right? Is the name of the sh- the program? Australia Story. Australia I Story. Okay, the okay. The Australia Story video that's in the research. Uh, you know, if you if you want to pause the the cast right now, go for it. Watch that video. It's it's about <laughs> it's about what thirty minutes long. Um, yeah, give or take. You know, 
it, it's a good watch, uh, honestly. The real enlightening part is about um, Professor Abbott and Rachel Egan's relationship. Um, I think... The documentary, it starts as like a standard true crime kind of documentary. It, it gives you the whole overview of the story, just like we did, but then all of a sudden, when it gets up to the present day with Professor Abbott and his his search for the DNA, it like takes this weird turn where when he meets Rachel Egan, <laughs> all of a sudden they're like, and then we got married in one day. You know, the video, honestly, the story is almost teasing it a little at the beginning. There was something to me that struck me as being a little bit weird about the two of them on the beach together. <laughs> but, you know, at the same time, it's like, okay, I don't know who they are exactly. And so it doesn't really come back to that at all until it goes, <laughs> yeah, we met. Uh, and Professor Abbott's telling this, oh, we we met, we were able to meet up and we met at a French restaurant. And like they're showing this dramatization of it where they're like uh, drinking wine and and like smiling at each other and stuff, talking about this dead man on the beach. <laughs> And then it's like, oh, she proposed to me the next day. And she's like, no, you proposed to me. And he goes, I distinctly remember it was you, love. Or whatever he says. <laughs> uh, it's it's kind of bizarre. I, I think what's more bizarre is that. Uh, so right before they start talking about their relationship, um, they talk about how Rachel Egan, like, found out she was Robin Thompson's, you know, was her real biological dad and her birth mother, Roma Egan was still alive. And she was like, Oh, this is great. And she's like, I have this wonderful new relationship with my birth mother. And we like, whatever they do, coach ballet or fucking teach ballet or whatever the fuck. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's like, Oh, so wonderful. And then like 10 minutes later, she's like, yeah. And I married professor Abbott after meeting him for only one day. And, well, my birth mother and I are no longer on speaking terms because of it. And you're just like, what? You're just going to gloss over that? Well, and, you know, <laughs> it's because Abbott's asking her, like, on the first the first time they meet to give him a DNA sample. Yeah. Uh, so that they can compare her DNA to the Somerton man's DNA, um, which is, a you know, he's pretty forward with it. And then... It turns out I he want gave your DNA. He gave her I his want it. his DNA. Um, <laughs> yeah, but you know what I mean. Then Rachel's like, "Oh, my mom, my mom didn't want me to continue this relationship because she thought he was only marrying me for my DNA." <laughs> but they, you know, before they even get to that, they're like, "Oh, he ne- he married asked me to marry." People thought he wanted to marry me for my DNA. Well, we have three kids. It's like, whoa, holy shit. This thing is spiraling out of control. They met for one day. They got tons of DNA they now. They got married. Now they got three kids. Jeez Louise. I mean, you know, we're poking fun at it, but for all intents and purposes, it worked out. I mean, sometimes weird shit like that works out where you marry somebody you met after one day. Sometimes things... And it works. Yeah, just work. Hey, we had a couple of teachers... We won't say who, but they got married after uh, a day, didn't they? Like one date, they got married. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Didn't work out that the did same way. did not work out. <laughs> uh, you win some, you lose some. Yeah, bunk funkers out there, if you want to, you know what, if you fall in love, you know, love who you want to love, but, you know, also, be reasonable. <laughs> yeah. There's no, <laughs> no, no shame in taking a little time, making sure it's the right decision for you. If a man comes up to you and he says, I want your DNA, and he takes you out to a fancy French restaurant... <laughs> don't make the same mistakes that Andy and I made and say yes. Uh, conversely, uh, bunk funkers, if you've ever been investigating an unsolved murder uh, or unsolved <laughs> death and you happen to meet one of the alleged uh, survivors of the deceased and ended up marrying them, tell us about it. Let us know your story. <laughs> One of you out there has got to have done that, right? Somebody's got one. We want to hear it. Um, Now, I will say this. The whole, like, calling the Summerton man grandpa and, like, laying little flowers at his grave and, like, they have a photo of the Summerton man, or a painting, I should say, a painting of the Summerton man. They have a... Hanging in their children's playroom. They, it's like, okay. Above the door, they have a painting of... um. Of Jessica Thompson, who they call Nanny Joe. Um, I guess Joe is what she went by. As yes, a yes, she went by Joe, but and, and so know, I don't know. So they, so the kids are there, and they're like, "Oh, we have a picture of Nanny Joe and Mister Summerton," and it's like, "I feel bad for George Marshall." Yeah. He raised he raised uh, Robin Thompson as as his own. Uh, even yeah, though he that was a big part of the story, yeah. Even though allegedly kind of left he that knew. out of the script because couldn't really find a way to work it in. But Jessica, one of the reasons why they think that maybe she was so off put about the Summerton man, both turning him away or being taken aback, is because he may have well been an old flame of hers, but she always felt very grateful, and you know this was the 1940s, very grateful and. Um, you know, thankful for George Marshall because George married her while she was pregnant with someone else's baby, which, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, even by today's standards, people don't do that stuff, you know? I mean, you ever turn on Maori and watch Maori? Maori? What, what's it? Maori? Maori? Maori. 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 Maori Povich. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the worst mispronunciation I've ever done? Maori? That's a... It's a bad one. I gotta <laughs> say. It's Maori. Grouse. Uh, it's Maori. Um, it's like... But... Is, they mentioned that. I don't know. That. It's they like Maori that, you know, people of New Zealand or something. Maori. <laughs> That's what I was going for. <laughs> uh... No, but they, they 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 mentioned that Jessica was always very like faithful and grateful to George because you know, yeah, he knew taking in some other dude's baby. He knew he wasn't the father, but he he married uh, Joe anyway, uh, and they they were together until the end. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you know, I get it that Rachel Egan didn't know who Robin Thompson even was until after he was dead. But 
know, George Marshall deserves a place on that wall. He does. You know, Summerton man, you know, he's got all Oh, I'm dead. No one knows who I am. Ooh, all this mystery, all my you know what? Sure. George Marshall, does he have sexy, strikingly muscular calves? No. Does he have weird earlobes that are attached to his face? No, his earlobes are normal. Mm-hmm. Does he does he have he has all the labels on all of his clothing. Sure. <laughs> and that might be boring to some of you people out there. But you know what? The guy had a good heart. And you know what? He was with his wife till the end. How about that? Huh? He seems like a good guy. As far as we know. Fucking Summerton man seems like a little fucking homewrecker. <laughs> yeah, I said it. He sounds like a goddamn homewrecker. Little hoochie. <laughs> I mean... Little fucking hoochie mama trying to show up, fucking come back to his. He seems like he was trying to make a booty call. Tom Mom should is tattooed on the small of his back. <laughs> no regrets. <laughs> <laughs> I just I want to see the the Summerton man is like the fucking like shitty ex boyfriend. It's <laughs> got Tom Mom should neck tattoo, <laughs> face tattoo. <laughs> he shows up, all the labels on his clothes are missing, dressed like crisscross. Yo, what's up, Joe? What's up, Mama? Fucking <laughs> so shows back up for a booty call. Summerton, man, you cad. It's like I got some of these really expensive cigarettes and some juicy fruit. You want to get down? <laughs> I got Scottish <laughs> smokes and juicy fruit. <laughs> some illegal poisons. Well, legal poisons, I guess. I got legal poisons I got from a chemist. I got a square of zinc. You want to see it? I got a secret note hidden in my pants. You want to see it? <laughs> There's a fu- Hey, for all of you South Australians out there, you got a new pickup line out of this one. I got a little secret note hidden in my trousers. Would you want to read it? And the note is your genitals. Right. Yeah. For, That's what you say. For this one, you have to have a tattoo on the on your genitals. Try that out. See how it works. Then let us let know. Let us know. Uh, all right, Andy, what are you leaning here? Okay, we got kind of, let's, maybe let's talk about, let's shelve spy for a second. Let's just talk about what do you think, do you think Summerton Man, Jessica Thompson, anything there, do they know each other? Were they fucking? What kind of positions were they fucking in? I mean, what's going on here? Uh, I think that... This is like the 1940s, so probably missionary. Um, you know... I was kind of uh, kicking this. I mean, I think that they knew each other, right? Like, I definitely think they knew each the other. The fact that her unlisted phone number is written in the copy of the book that matches the scrap that was in Summerton Man's trousers. Th- there's no way they didn't know each other in some yeah. in some way or another. I think. I mean, yeah. Even if she was just like a nurse that treated him or something. I mean. You know, they say he's got that that square of zinc. He's got the little brush, like uh, for marking cargo on a ship. Maybe he's a sailor. Maybe pull, pulled huh. into port, and they got to know yeah. each other. I mean, a lot of people confuse what the merchant marine is. It is not really a. Uh, you're not like a conscripted armed service. You're a, uh, you just kind of 
hang out on a ship and you work on a ship. Yeah. You're kind of like a, it's like a gig. Right. You get signed up, you do like six months at sea, you hit a bunch of ports, you come back, hopefully sign up again. Yeah. Exactly. And you might do tons of different things. Deck, you know, you might clean the ship, you might, uh, you know, fucking clean the halls. I don't know. Fucking look out, be a lookout for icebergs and shit. So you're saying you find the sailor aspect less convincing? I don't know about the sailor thing. I don't, I'm not buying it. I mean, yeah, he had that weird thing, but I mean, yeah, I guess you're right. Why the fuck would he have it? He's got all these like, uh, I, I mean, He's got Scottish that, cigarettes. Maybe that would explain. He's got American yeah, chewing why he gum. Has, I mean, juicy yeah. fruit wasn't popular in Australia at the time, allegedly. Uh, the coat you couldn't get there. So, and it's not popular with me to this day. I mean, it doesn't hold its flavor very long. But you gotta it admit, it doesn't. It tastes good. It doesn't. It tastes it good. It does, but it doesn't, Andy. It does, but it doesn't. It's better than fruit stripe, but you not get by five a lot. seconds of bliss. Five seconds of bliss for an eternity of pain and suffering, Andy. <laughs> Such is life, Art. Um, Juicy Fruit, yeah, a I mean, good okay, Chicago you're making a case. product. He's got a very rare, he's got a rare copy of a book that allegedly they can't find anywhere else in the world. So rare that it's like very hard for them to track down identical versions of this book. It's a very rare translation okay so he's a merchant marine maybe maybe he travels to australia maybe he uh you know meets joe thompson maybe they shack up for a for a night on the town you know sailors like to get down they like to oh, do, do that they ever i mean i watched a short documentary about the merchant marine and a lot of the guys when they, they go to the ports they know what brothels they're heading to that's not a joke yeah. Not all merchant marines do this, but some do. Yeah, who knows? Okay, if there's any merchant marine listeners out there, let us know. How many prostitutes are you banging <laughs> on the rig? How many different ports of call has your ship pulled into? Um. Okay, you're making a good case, Andy. You're making a good case. I mean, I'm operating a little bit under the suspicion that this guy's an American. Okay. And that he ends up in Australia, like Merchant Marine. And, you know, it's under those auspices that he comes back. He comes back. He finds out that Joe Thompson is getting married, carrying his baby. Um, You know, I, 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 I don't know so much about then why he dies, though, right? Like, Right. That's that's more that's more difficult to say if you go down that road because who you know I I remember you know in the research you know you read things people suspect that Joe Thompson maybe killed him because he shows up that seems like an extreme response to it <laughs> um you know maybe it's suicide but if it's suicide it's weird the way the body was when they found it, right? You know, because of the way it's it seems posed. Yeah. Uh, you know, like they 
They didn't find any signs of, of vomiting or struggle. So the way that it's the way that it's set on the beach, it looks very peaceful, right? And, and like relaxed. Yeah. So I don't know if it jives with the whole suicide thing. I mean, although, you know, with the note in the pants, Tom, I'm should like, like that this is, that it's finished, you know, that kind of makes you think suicide too, right? That this is his last, sure. This is his last message. You know, it doesn't help explain the fact that the clothes have no labels. Um, you know, it doesn't, I, I don't know. I mean, it doesn't exactly close off all the, the loose ends for sure. No, it doesn't. But it's just some of the quirkier things kind of make sense with it, I guess. So that's kind of, it's kind of where I'm, I'm headed, but I don't know. This, this is one that's, that's got me waffling a lot. Yeah, I mean, I'm baffled by it because every time you think you've made leadway, there's some other weird aspect of it. And you're just like, oh, I forgot about that. There's no, there's no real uh, holistic um, hypothesis for this one. I don't think. I don't think that any of them really explain everything in a good way. Yeah, like maybe the spy angle well, is. I mean, I hate to bring it up yeah. already, but maybe the spy angle is the one that makes. That covers most of the bases, right? Maybe. I mean, okay, so let's assume he's a merchant marine. He's traveling around at all these ports of call. Uh, maybe he learns about these drug concoctions that you can take to, you know, do whatever or something from somewhere. I don't know. They're a merchant marine. There's info being passed around all over the world. So, it kind of explains why he has all the weird stuff. Um, doesn't explain why the labels are removed on his clothes. Doesn't really explain why he sewed a phrase into his pants. But at the same time, Jessica Thompson is known to give out copies of the Rubaiyat by Omar Khayyam. So maybe they're, that's how they're like... I, that's why they're connected in some way. Like he met her, fell in love, the the baby thing, you know, and like you're saying, and so she, I don't know. There's no suicide note. You know, you think at the very least you assume that maybe if somebody was like, well, I'm going to end it all, you know, and the woman who is carrying my child doesn't want anything to do with me and she's getting married and, uh, He'd at least write something down or something, you know? Well, and even... Then you've got the code. We haven't even talked about the code. Well, and even then, nobody's looking for this guy. You know? Right. Like, no matter what, if he's a merchant marine or whatever, nobody came Someone looking for Someone would say... Him. Yeah. Like, it's almost like he's totally alone in the world. Which maybe... No he, identity at all. No friends... No relatives. Nobody's ever, at least that it seems, nobody's ever come up and said, hey, <laughs> this looks like, you know, I guess it's possible that for 70 plus years, whoever was close to this, to the Somerton man, 
has never heard about the case of the Somerton man. And so he's just been missing yeah. in obscurity, uh, even though there might be people who uh, are looking for him. But I don't know. It just seems it just seems odd because they vetted all this stuff with I law mean, enforcement all over the world yeah. and nobody knows anything. Nobody can find anything that matches. You know, a merchant marine ship is filled with a lot of hardworking regular people, but also people who are transient people. They like to just wander. They don't have uh, roots. Yeah. So I could see that. I mean, but you'd think that if he spent, if he was a merchant Marine or if he was a ballet dancer, right. That he would spend time. You would be spending copious amounts of time with other people and those other people eventually might say oh hmm hey whatever happened to bobby fucking summerton where'd that guy go yeah. like and they try a, somehow to track him down what a twist that would be if his actual last name was summerton <laughs> i thought that was pretty clear guys i died on the beach with the same last name <laughs> what the fuck i always told you i was gonna die on a beach with my name uh, I also read something. You're right. About- I mean, and that's another dead end. It's like nobody ever has come looking for this guy. Yeah. So it's like uh, nobody even has said like, oh, I saw that guy. Like, you know, it's like nothing. Yeah. He's a ghost. He's a spy. So now we're talking the spy theory here. Andy, he already okay? had his identity. We're erased. talking the spy theory. Yeah. I don't know, though. I, I tend to agree. You're the spy guy. It's like, if he was going to be a spy, he's trying to portray himself as a certain person. But then you have to ask the question of, were all the labels removed from his clothes deliberately? I mean, I think the consensus is sort of like, if he was killed and he was placed on the beach, it was done in such a precise fashion that, and thorough, you have to say it was very thorough, because there's very few clues here, that if it was... Yeah, somebody checked to make sure this dude didn't have any fucking identification anywhere. Right. That, you know, except for the the stuff in the suitcase, which presumably they wouldn't have access to, um... But on his person, he had nothing. Very few clues left behind. It's done in such a a precise way that you you almost have to say that if he's been killed, if this is a homicide, this almost has to be done professionally, right? By people who have done this type of thing before. This doesn't seem like an amateur, like, crime of passion or something. No. You know, because... I mean, there are two... Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Well, there are two, the two chemicals uh, were like deliberately chosen. I mean, right? Like this, they, they could have poisoned him with anything. Cyanide, fucking who knows what, some kind of gas. But it's like they deliberately chose two chemicals that, you know, I don't know how many fucking people out there in the world knew that you could combine Digitalis and uh, Auban or whatever it was and Maori to... Uh, <laughs> yeah. To, uh, you know, create a poison 
so good at, you know, killing somebody that it's, like, untraceable. I mean, who the fuck has that knowledge except for, like, spies? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. <laughs> I had no idea. I would be totally clueless about this. Although... That's not why you're you're not a very good spy. Jessica Thompson was a nurse. Would she have had a working knowledge of these chemicals through her employment? Whew. I didn't even think about that. Another good point. Gotta think about these things, Artie. You know, there was a another good point. There was a hypothesis that he he got uh he he died because he ate a pastry. Um because <laughs> Pastries were it's full of uh, preservatives at the time, and apparently you could get a lethal, almost lethal dose or or something. But it would have been easily traceable, even at the time in the bloodstream. So it doesn't seem likely. I just oh. I just like that story. Don't you don't you mean a? Isn't it like a Cornish pasty? Yeah. Not a pastry. Well, I mean, kind of splitting hairs here, aren't we? Well, all I'm saying is, uh, well, all I'm saying is, we've both had our own okay. version of Maori tonight. Okay, okay? we've both had Ma- our own version Maori. of Maori. <laughs> I mean, to me, that's how it's spelled. Yeah, I mean, a pasty though is is like a is like a filling r- with pastry. No, it's uh well yeah, I guess. I'm trying to go right. I'm trying to go at the higher level here, you know. He ate a pastry. Yeah. I don't want to say a pasty. I don't know how many people use that term for a hand pie. Well, we have a lot of international listeners. Okay, well, and we appreciate okay, it. Okay, it was a pasty then. <laughs> it was a pasty on his nips. Yeah. <laughs> Left out dude. of all the research, there was pasties on his nipples. Yeah. Um God damn, I don't know. I mean, I definitely think there's something about Jessica Thompson that we that she took to the grave. I think I think that's true. I think so. I agree. Hundred percent. She's connected to Alf. Alf admitted I worked in the intelligence unit. You know, you got Jessica allegedly speaking fluent Russian for some reason. Uh just even her own children saying like yeah, I think my mom definitely had something to do with that dude's death. Yeah, like, right. What the fuck? You know? Like, I mean, she she is definitely an interesting character. And the fact that she was so yeah. cagey when they interviewed her, I just it leads to suspicion. I mean, even if she didn't know that much or or whatever, or she was trying to like, you know, hide a simple fact that that's the father of her child. I mean, there's something more there that she wasn't saying. Yeah. I mean, so are we both kind of in agreement here that the Somerton man probably fathered that child? I think it seems likely, right? Because we already know that George Marshall married her knowing full well that he was not the father of Robin. Like, there isn't... That doesn't seem controversial in this case at all to you, right? Because it doesn't seem that way to me. It seems like George Marshall knew he married Jessica Thompson anyway and raised the baby as his own, uh, knowing full well yeah. that he was not the biological father. 
Right. So we know that the father has to be someone other than George Marshall. So, I mean, why not the Somerton man? They got some of the same, I mean, the doctor, the, the, what is it? Like a forensic anthropologist or somebody, uh, at, uh, the same university as professor Abbott. Uh, what's it? Uh, yeah. Adelaide. Ad, yeah. University of Adelaide, uh, basically said that what he was like 99% certain that yes. they were, he was very that they certain were that they were the re- same. like related. Yeah. Because like it's like less than like two percent or something of people have that ear thing that they right, have or something, right. and the fact that their dental records are nearly identical and like they had, they kind of look the same. They got, you know, and I think Summerton Man allegedly had like kind of orange hair or like strawberry blonde, and Robin was kind of a strawberry mm-hmm. blonde as well. Yeah. So, uh, and they're both ballet dancers. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, we don't know that Summerton Man was a ballet dancer. We just know he had big old calves. I don't know. He's got those calves. calves. He's got those calves. You know, maybe you could you could be a merchant seaman and and get a buff bod from doing all that manual labor on a ship. Yeah, maybe. Uh, maybe, yeah. Maybe he had all go muscles and, uh, you know, Robin, they say, oh, he had this natural leap ability because uh, of his just naturally large calves. Maybe that's just a trait. They both had uh, genetically large calves. I don't know if that's possible. I don't know. It seems more like something that would be determined by your lifestyle than anything, but, you know, maybe there's... Well, the calf muscle can be uh, a a real bitch to train depending on where your calf muscle inserts up and down your leg. You can have like really low insertion, mid insertion, high insertion calves, and depending on where it is, is what what will determine how it grows. Like whether cardiovascular activities or like strength training activities. Um, like people with really low calves usually like just by like running and walking around a lot, they get like fucking massive honking Popeye forearms size calves. <laughs> um. But people with like mid and high ones, I think you have to like target them directly with strength training. Wow. So I know a lot about I know a lot about calves. <laughs> yeah, me too. I grew up. But on a, don't ask me about calves because I don't know jack shit about baby calves. Uh, I grew up on a dairy farm. Um, yeah. No, I didn't. Art. So what you're telling me is that it's it's likely. Yes, Andy, I have mid to high calf insertion. You obviously have mid to high calf. Got it out of But it's likely that Robin Thompson had low calves because he was able to get such well-defined calves, right? Yeah, I mean. So it seems likely that maybe Summerton Man did too. Big and muscular. Yeah. You think Robin Thompson did a lot of Pilates? Probably, right? Was Pilates a thing back then? Uh, yeah, it was developed in the 1920s, if I'm not mistaken, specifically as oh, wow. uh, a program to help uh, dancers recovering from injury. Well, hey, hey, bunk funkers. Hey, you get what you paid for, okay? You're learning. <laughs> you're learning. And no, I know you're not paying anything, but you learned something tonight, okay? <laughs> Look at how much you're learning. <laughs> Turn off your Zoom class right now. (laughs) Click it. Leave the meeting. 
You don't need it. You're going to learn everything you need to know from this show. Do you suddenly feel like the bunk funkers are ungrateful for the level of uh, things that they learn from this podcast? I'm just sick of people coming up to me on the street (laughs) elsewhere saying, you don't fucking teach anything, you dumb piece of shit. And I say, you know what? That's wrong. I'm spreading so much good learning across the airwaves here, Andy. Art is flying through the airwaves, spreading knowledge like a beautiful eagle. He's the spread eagle. It's like reading Rainbow, half a notch me. Half half a notch up you. By the way, LeVar Burton, if you're listening, we would love to have you, you on the show. I think there are some great treasure. conspiracies that we could talk about. <laughs> yeah, do you want to talk about Star Trek, the next generation? Let's talk about Star Trek. Um, I don't know. I can't get my mind off this spy theory. I feel like every time I get convinced that it's not a spy, something fucking pulls me back in, you know? It just feels too fantastical, though. Doesn't it? Yeah, it's true. A little bit. I got to kind but of agree with Again, with I'm Alf. drawn in by like, why the fuck does nobody know who this guy is? Very true. I I mean, some people are transient. That You know, if he was an immigrant or if he was, let's say he's an American and he's over here, like, you know, who in America would. But like you said, you got to think like it's been like 70, 80 years or whatever. It's like. Somebody has to be like, oh, hey, that's that's my grandpa. Oh, god damn, my grandpa's missing. Or that's my. Uh, <laughs> You've been missing for seventy years. Been missing for seventy years. <laughs> damn it, grandpa. Yeah, he said he was going on a ship. We just you assumed know? he was never coming back. You know how old people like cruises. <laughs> they can't get enough Tom Cruise. I don't know, Andy. I'm stumped. I really am. This is a this is a noodle scratcher. You know what I did find interesting though is, you know, going back to the staying power of this, that new attorney general for uh South Adelaide. Uh oh yeah. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> she, she gets Art's motor going. Uh she she exhumes my dead oh body, boy. you know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. You're guilty. She's guilty of being a babe. Art, she, <laughs> God. she said that she remembered studying this when she was in law school. This is something they talked about in law school. Oh, really? Which is, I don't know, it's just very interesting. Uh, it's, it's, it's captivated minds for a long time. And it is a real yeah, stumper. I mean, I, you know, I think... Uh, Ah, oh, man, yeah. It's, uh... I don't know. Yeah. It's tough. Because I feel the same way that you... Like, where the fuck... Where the fuck did this rare copy of this fucking book come from? It's strange. Did, was it his? Did Jessica Thompson give it to him? I mean, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah. And it's weird. Who got that rare copy of that book? Why does she have so many copies of the Rubaiyat? Yeah. <laughs> Why is she handing them out? Yeah. It's an odd. It's odd. She's like opera 
handing out new cars to all of her listeners. Yeah. Opera. <laughs> opera and Maori. Yeah. Opera King and Queen opera, of Daytime opera Television. Wine fray. <laughs> I just don't know. Yeah. I don't either. Fuck. Bunk Funkers, well, I usually like to come into this and, you know, tell you what I think. Every time I think about this, I think something different. Who is this guy? Um. Okay, I mean, Andy, we gotta get, we have to give the verdicts. Oh, we have God. to. God, I've been dreading. This we will moment. be, we will be run out of town. They will run us all the way to Australia, and then Australia will run us all the way back, and then we'll die somewhere in the middle. We might die in. Australia we don't give the verdicts right now. Crazy wildlife there. Oh, you're telling Ugh. me. Um. All right, I'll attempt a verdict at this. Uh, I think the best, this is like a lot of them. We got to go by like category of thing. Right? Sure. Uh, how are we going to split this up? There's obviously the spy. Um, yep, spy. There's, I guess, uh, there's two angles of um, disappointed lover, I think. There's either the homicide or the suicide, right? I think we should split it up even further. So, spy, regular guy, relationship to Robin and Jessica. Let's just group that. Any other occupation you want to give. And then, whether it was like self-inflicted or administered. Yeah, whether it was suicide or homicide, essentially. Okay. So, we got... All right, so I'm just gonna jump in. You like reg- regular guy, like you know, he's a ex lover or whatever. You know, regular, just some regular joke. All right, will you help keep me on track with this? Okay, so I'll try. So this, I can't. So the spy, I'll do the spy first. Uh, mm, I'm gonna give it a verdict of. Ugh, I'm I'm wavering here. I I think. I got to go with my gut, my initial like feeling of it. I'm going to give it plausible minus. Ooh. Okay. Uh, and allow me to explain myself. I think again, it's it's pretty fantastical and you yeah. know, I I don't think that all it nothing answers all the questions, but some of the other more regular mundane stuff, just I feel like it lines up better to me. That's how I feel about it. So it's just a gut reaction. Okay. I'm 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 okay. not admitting that the spy thing isn't without intrigue for sure. It's very interesting. I'm just not convinced. Completely. Okay. Okay. That's fair. Um all right, so then regular guy stuff. Um, what's the first thing? His connection to Jessica Thompson and Robin Thompson? Yeah, was he the father of Robin? Did he have some connection with Jessica? I mean, they're kind of into... Uh, I'm gonna go... 
I gotta go almost. I gotta almost go case confirmed with this, but I'm gonna stop short. I'm gonna do one of my classic moves and stop short. And what's the most plausible without being confirmed? Highly plausible. Highly plausible. I'm giving it highly plausible. There's something there. There's a connection. Okay. And honestly, I'm leaning to that he's the father of Robin Thompson. Yeah. But I can't confirm it, so I got to just go highly plausible. Um, okay. So then it's it's self-administered poison versus inflicted poison, right? Yeah. Um. All right. So was this a suicide? I'm giving that... I'm going to give it plausible minus also. Uh, I almost said plausible minus okay. minus, but wow. I'm going to, I'm going to say plausible minus because the note in the pants kind of makes you feel that way, but it's the fact that the body's so seems so staged. I mean, and who knows, maybe, maybe he shows up at Jessica Thompson's house and she's like, I don't want you in my life. Uh, I have George right. Marshall. He is an incredibly gracious, kind loving well hung man <laughs> and well hung i am happy with him and some and his regular shaped calves his regular shaped calves look your calves are so huge it scares me and <laughs> you always hide the brand of cigarettes that you are smoking and you chew juicy fruit and i just can't <laughs> i can't live with that so I need a wriggly man. I double mint or nothing. I like to double my pleasure. Um, and maybe then the Summerton man sucked down some sort of concoction of poison right there in Jessica Thompson's living room. And she panicked. And she knew George was coming home. Beautiful, handsome, hung like an elephant George was on his way home and she didn't want him to find this dead ex flame in their living room or in the foyer or whatever I don't know the layout of their house okay so she has some friend come over and carry the body to the beach maybe that happened but I don't think I'm not as convinced by that as good a story as that is uh, I'm giving myself credit here Plausible minus. Well, that's a great Plausible story. Minus. Uh, was he killed? I'm going plausible plus. It just feels more like plausible. Just feels plus. like something else happened, right? You know, because of the way the body was on the beach and stuff. Like, feels like something happened. Feels like this was done to him. He didn't do it to himself. Where are the footprints? Oh. Well, I don't know. I mean, this motherfucker's in the sand. Where's the footprints? Fuck. Well, he was leaned against the wall. Maybe they drop him down there. Yeah, maybe. I don't know, Art. You know, maybe they didn't take a very good intake of that, like, because they thought that he was just some missing person who would show up real soon. You know, and, but... I'm not even sure if my verdicts make sense. You would think that if... Yeah. Well, you know, they fucking, if they drop him off of the top of the seawall, 
you'd think there would be like there'd be something that would indicate the ballistics of the body being dropped. Yeah. But if somebody picked him up, there'd have to be so many footprints and they'd have to cover up the footprints. And it's like, you know, I mean, obviously it's sand. It's not like it's mud or something that's hard to detect. You would just. Well, yeah, that's one thing. I don't uh, know. We saw this with the Indiana Dunes too. Uh, the sands there are yeah. particularly shifting. So if there were like footprints or something, they would have been all wiped away. Maybe that happened in this case too. Maybe there were footprints, but by the time the police get there, there aren't any. I don't know. Does my verdict even make sense? I'm plausible plus. I don't Plausible know. plus on a murder, but I'm plausible minus on a spy. What do I think happened to this guy? I don't even know. I don't think anybody knows. I mean, that's fuck. the thing that I'm hoping that Professor Abbott, you know, now that he's gotten his taste of Summerton Man DNA, <laughs> can actually uh, can actually raise the money to uh, to uh, exhume this guy's body, and we'll uh, we'll get some answers in a year or yeah. two here. Although you have to say, even if they find out that he is Rachel Egan's grandfather. That doesn't help, does it? It really doesn't. I mean, it just proves that he knew Jessica Thompson really well, which we kind of have a very strong inkling that he does because of the Rubaiyat. Yeah. I mean, although all the indications of uh, the DNA that they have from Rachel, it's like there's a lot of um, Native American DNA from the East Coast of the United States. So with Rachel or the, you know, the, like the Somerton, well, that Somerton man DNA anyway. Oh, so it seems like maybe he's American, okay. but I don't know, Art. I mean, finding out his nationality might help us. We could might help uh, him place somewhere. Could at least yeah, because right now it's like they're searching globally. Yeah, because they have you know, nowhere it's like at least then you could at least. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, so that's he can be best friends with the uh, the tomb of the unknown soldiers. So, um, all right, here we go. My verdicts. <laughs> yeah, let's oh, see boy. if you can let's see if you can make a more coherent verdict than I do. <clears throat> let's start with the easy one here. Uh, highly plausible, which is the uh, highest you can go on our bunker scale without hitting case confirmed, that he is the father of Robin uh, Thompson. Yep. Highly okay. plausible. Agree. Uh, definitely had some connection with Jessica Thompson in some capacity. You know, whether that be a quick fling, were they spy lovers? I don't know. I guess you'll have to wait until I say my verdicts. Um... I think I think spy theory Let's just say it. I think I'm going to have to go plausible plus plus on spy wow. theory. Wow. Wow. I think he's a fucking okay. spy. I think they were spies. Okay. KGB spy, American spy, some kind of spy. He's a spy. Okay. He's a spy guy. Okay. He got caught. I respect that verdict. Spy guy. Spy guy. Uh, Spy versus Spy, a great cartoon series from Mad. You know, um, 
kind of looks like the Summerton man. He's got that big old schnoz. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think Spy versus Except Spy was very small calves. Man. Yeah. Spy versus Spy had very small calves. Exceptionally so. small calves. I think that's how they throw you off. Um, but yeah, Spy right. versus Spy, they're both missing their lateral incisors. <laughs> um, just some regular guy, whether that be immigrant guy, uh, merchant marine guy. Stop, you're listing all of my favorite superheroes. <laughs> Merchant Marine guy. It's like some knockoff, the Kirkland signature brand Aquaman Merchant Marine Immigrant guy. guy. It's like the <laughs> the answer to Captain America. With the power to immigrate. The power to move anywhere. <laughs> the powers to move anywhere they're legal. He's legally allowed. With his sidekick, Assimilation Boy. <laughs> Immigrant guy, we've got to learn the local language. <laughs> Don't you worry, assimilation boy. I'm on it. <laughs> to the library. <laughs> to the public library, which we just got cards for. <laughs> um, just plausible plus. Okay. okay. So they're both kind of in the same uh, variance. There's not a lot of variance there, but they're both... You know, they're both kind of high up. They're both in the same sector. So it's almost like the same as your verdict, but it's just in a different, you know, it's like, I feel like we're in the kind of the same boat here. Yeah, I think so. Maybe. It feels like we're in the same boat. Um, as, As for whether it was a homicide or a suicide, I'm going very plausible, which is the second highest. Very plausible is under highly plausible for homicide. I think it was a homicide. He's weirdly delicately placed. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there's like, it's just the way he was placed, the concoction of the chemicals or the drugs or the poison. um, Administering that, the lack of vomit, the convulsions. Um, I mean, people, the witnesses say they saw him move. Yeah. You know, they saw him move. Oh, that was his convulsions. But it's like, I don't know. Is moving your arm a convulsion? Yeah. You know, it could. A convulsion would be like he's spazzing out. He's got perfectly polished shoes. Uh, his clothes are not dirty or roughed up at all. You know, it's like. I just feel like almost like this guy got found out like he's a spy. He got found out and he just fucking maybe he tried to go see Jessica Thompson one last time to let her know because she's also right. a spy. And um, hey, I'm. I'm uh, what do like spies call it when they're fucking. Terminated or some shit, you know, I'm found out. Um, uh, And I don't know, he just went peacefully, just. I, or I don't know. Maybe he had it embedded embedded know. in his uh, pinky. Yeah. But then you got to break your finger to do that. Probably would have noticed it. Had a little... Had it in his, one of his teeth. Yeah. His teeth. That's why he didn't have those incisors. That's where the poison um, was. God damn. Well, hey, Bunk Funkers, those were our verdicts on the Summerton yeah. Man... 
Um, let us know what you think. Did we get it right? Did we get it wrong? What do you think on about the Summerton man? Um, let us know. Use the hashtag. Got any good ones here, Andy? Let's see. Use the hashtag. Um, Taman should figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Eh. Okay. Yeah, Better than anything I have. Taman should figure it out. Let us know what you think. <laughs> um, email us, mrbunkerpod at gmail.com. Tweet at us or slide into our DMs on Instagram <laughs> at mrbunkerpod. Rare. Uh, Pull up Professor Abbott and uh, ask us to marry you tomorrow. <laughs> ask us to marry you after one day. Um, check us out on Twitch, uh, twitch.tv slash Mr. Bunker Pod. Maybe more streams coming soon. And find us on YouTube by YouTube searching Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time Podcast. Um, now, Andy, yeah. the Somerton Man died with a lot of little trinkets all over himself, <laughs> right? You know, he's got his little juicy fruit. He's got his weird cigarettes. He's got his uh, labelless clothing and his very particular yarn that he likes. That got me wondering, Andy, about your death. <laughs> and... So many things make you think about my death. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm trying That's to plan fine. it out. Um, what weird trinkets would be found on your oh, body? Oh, boy. Uh, if you're the Andy Tin Man, the Andy Tin Man, Man. Andy Tin Beach, beautiful in the summertime. The the Foster Beach body, yeah. Foster <laughs> Beach body. It's about right. Body by Italian beef. <laughs> um, what little trinkets? What weird trinkets are going to be found on you? Um, well, for one, uh, I would differ a lot from from the Summerton Man. Right, you know, Summerton man had had juicy fruit. I hardly ever carry gum, and if I did, it wouldn't be juicy fruit. I like a long-lasting gum. Um, Summerton man had cigarettes on his person. I don't smoke, and I don't like it. I have smoked a cigarette before. Art, did you know that about me? I think maybe we've talked. I about didn't this. enjoy it. You tried it. Didn't like the experience. Don't want to do it again. Um. So we'd be a bit different, um, but what would you find on my person? Uh, you'd find one thing that I never go anywhere without, and that's my Guy Fieri spatula. Um, it's a wooden handle, uh, black silicone spatula with uh, exclusive Guy Fieri tattoo art on the face of the spatula. Um I cook with it every day, and I keep it close to my heart. Uh, it's my most prized possession. Yeah, you sleep I, with it's under it my too, pillow every you? night. Um, yeah. If you, no, you sleep oh, with it. I have sex with it. Yes, it has been in my rectum. <laughs> um, so that's one thing that you would find on my person. Oh, definitely. Uh, definitely another thing yeah. that you would find on my person is my key ring. Uh, I'd never go anywhere without it. I have over eight hundred keys. Um, on it, I wear them in a big ring that I hook through a belt loop. Um, and everywhere I walk, it sounds like jingle bells. Um, and these are keys that I don't need and I don't use. Um, every key I've ever used in my life is on there. So I have keys for locks that probably don't exist anymore. Um, 
but I keep them. Um, not wow. because I'm sentimental, but because I'm lazy. Um, and I carry that keyring with me everywhere I go. Well, it's hard to take keys off a keyring, especially if you don't have long nails. You know, you got to mm-hmm. pry open exactly. That it's hard. Ring. Um, and keyring technology has not changed yeah. a lot. And you know, one of my key philosophies in life is that if something's hard, just don't do oh. it. Um, do anything else that's easier. And that's what I do. Um, another thing that you'd uh, find on my person is um, counterfeit currency. Um, I don't. I don't ever <laughs> spend this. I just keep it in my wallet. Um, and it's it's money in weird denominations, and it's all with my professional acting headshot uh, in the place of the president's. So it's things like you know, four dollar bill. Uh, I had some I had some novelty coins minted uh that were worth seven and a half cents. Uh and it's got my picture on it. Um so that's what you'd find on my person art. Yeah, you had a bunch of um like US state quarters minted, but all the all the quarters are actually minted after the state's worst um weather disaster. Right. The most you know, and when when I say worst weather disaster, I mean the single weather event that caused the most deaths in the state. Yeah, yeah. Pretty there's some up. really graphic engravings on those coins. <laughs> you do not want to see the Louisiana coin. <laughs> um, Katrina and the waves. Anyway, yeah, walking on geez. sunshine. Um, uh, would hurricane, uh, what was it? Was it Andrew? Was that the one in 92? Yes. Or 93. Yeah. That probably would be Florida's, huh? Mm, it's probably, that thing was fucked up. Yeah. It? There was a lot. That was a big, that was a big one. That's for sure. That was a big um, Let's see. Are you looking yeah. it up? Let's see if we can find out. Oh, okay. Okay. Deadliest tornado outbreak is the 1998 Kissimmee tornado outbreak in Florida. Let's see. Well, this is taking a while. Maybe we won't be able to find it easily. All right. Well, you know what, listeners? Sorry to disappoint <laughs> you. I know you love our regular segment. Worst weather disasters by state. Um, we just can't provide it this week. Too. <laughs> we'll work. It's a regular beloved we'll work segment on it for next week. <laughs> um, well, Andy, those are some great trinkets. I, you know, well, I'm sure people will love breaking down the mystery of 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 the Andyton man. Um, but anyway, um. I, I guess, you know, I guess that's it. I guess that's it for the Summerton Man. You know, it, we're ending on a mystery. I can here. only hope that my death uh, inspires Australians just as much as the Summerton Man. And causes the beautiful matrimony of whoever is your grandchild and some professor at a university. My secret grandchild and some <laughs> university professor who just met her the... 
day before and asked for her DNA. <laughs> uh, lovely. Uh, one second. Here. A tale as old as time. Uh, A song as old as rhyme. Professor Abbott and Rachel Egan. Barely even friends. And somebody asks for your DNA <laughs> unexpectedly. <laughs> I think th- I think they anyway. should name the French restaurant they went to. That'd be good. <laughs> Wait, That'd be why? good publicity for the restaurant. It's such a romantic setting. Oh, yeah. I mean, hey. Come here if you want to get married, want to find the love of your life. You'll meet him after one day. <laughs> Come here. Talk about a deceased person in the past, and you will find love. In all the wrong places. That'd be a weird for a fortune cookie to get. <laughs> you, you will meet the love of your life You'll talking about an unsolved yeah. death. <laughs> well, anyway, Andy. Um, we got to wrap things yeah. up here. So for not the titular Mr. Bunker, because he's, he's been MIA. We don't know where he is. He's in the space station or somewhere else we'll, right now. We'll find out next yeah. week, I guess. But for my Jabberwocky oh, co-host, Andy Hart. <laughs> uh, I'm Art Stone saying that was the whole enchilada. Vegemite. <laughs> I'm Hannah. And I'm Audrey. We are a sister filmmaking duo and co-hosts of Sleepover Cinema, our show where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of the girls, gays, and theys of the late 90s and early 2000s. Princess Diaries, The Cheetah Girls, Aquamarine, Cinderella, the one starring Brandy. We haven't stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them, and we want you to rewatch them and review them with us. Are these movies as bad as critics would have us believe? Do we even care if they are? We are always unpacking that very question on Sleepover Cinema. Check out Sleepover Cinema wherever you get your podcasts or at evergreenpodcasts.com. See you soon.